Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to Season 3, Turn Up The Talk. If you're interested in our podcasts, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on socials at Turn Up The Talk. Just a reminder, this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24-hour service. Thank you and enjoy. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. Sean Weir, welcome to our show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. How you going? I'm very well. I'm uh, I'm down here in Victoria. We're the only state that's not in a lockdown, so I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, like we were saying, you've um you've earned your fair share of lockdown rest. You went it did it pretty tough there for a while. How was that? Oh mate, it was it was it was pretty tough, especially last year. Um, I'm a gym owner as well, so we were open for I reckon three months of the entire year of 2020. So that was pretty tough. And then we've had three this year as well. So it's um it's been absolutely brutal. And you know our uh, our state likes to go into lockdown pretty quick. So it's a bit of a um bit of a sort of a big twist of uh of of everything within the num within you know 24 hours that happens down here, which is obviously the same with uh, with all over the country. But uh yeah, look, hopefully touch wood we're all the way through it. And hopefully you guys can get through it pretty soon as well. There's a ridiculous amount of stats, Sean, with um Victoria especially and mental health. But being there, what's the physical like response like what what have you seen from people what have you seen from yourself like that reflects how people got through it or were getting through it yeah i think since the start of 2020 i think you know when this pandemic first started everybody had no idea what was going on you know everyone this was this was new to everyone um so i think a lot of people started to really come together and and have that sort of um that feeling of we can we can get through this we can do it all together uh you know it's, it's a pandemic don't let it beat us but i think as time went on and as the pandemic went on a lot of people started to get to the point where they thought you know what this is getting getting a little bit too much and uh i have to sort of start thinking about myself and this is really affecting my own mental health and the whole you know bringing the state together bringing all australians together they got a little bit too far-fetched for a lot of people i think um and you know you, you obviously see a lot of hate online for different things and lockdowns and all that sort of stuff and covid conspiracy theories and, and all that sort of uh funny stuff to look at as well but um you, you sort of see a bit of a shift in what's happened to the country in the last 12 months where we we did start as a as a sort of united nation and now it's all sort of um you know broken up into into little things even down to the states now you know we've got I've seen memes all, all today of Victorians laughing at, at people from New South Wales for, for being in lockdown. And, and uh, you know, whenever we go back in lockdown, we're the laughing stock of the country and stuff like that too. So it's been a bit of a funny shift. But, you know, obviously mental health has taken a massive hit over the last 18 months. Uh, we've seen a massive in, uh, influx of people that are reaching out to our services. And it's, you know, the, the loss of jobs, the loss of social life, um, the loss of normality, the unsurety of what's actually going to continue to, to go on. Uh, you know, I think when we got out of that second lockdown, especially in Victoria last year, everyone was, you know, 
breathed a sigh of relief and thought, this is it, we're done. Um, you know, new year, 2021, it's going to be the best year yet. And then, you know, we've had three lockdowns this year already. So I think it's it's really starting to get to people um, of not wanting to really commit themselves to things and, and you know, scared to, to start their career because they just don't know how long it's going to last until they have to stop working or work from home and all that sort of stuff too. So I think the biggest thing is, is unsurety in the, um, in, in the, in the whole world at the moment. It's, it's all just a little bit crazy. Before we dive into your organization and the work you're doing in a space of mental health and your kind of story, I don't want to stay on the top of your COVID for too long. So kind of just ask one more thing and kind of get off it, but how has it affected you personally? I mean, like you said, Melbourne got hit pretty hard there not just being locked inside, but you being a business owner, especially a gym, you mentioned there you had nine months there where you would have had no income coming through. I mean, how did you personally take that? Yeah, it was pretty tough. I think um, the the very first lockdown when we got told we had to close the gyms, I was in bed for a week. I, I didn't didn't leave the house. Um, I got the, my uh, my partner to go down and, and close the gym. I just I emotionally couldn't do it. You know, it was a gym that I had for, um, you know, six years and, it's a 24 hour gym the, the doors had never been locked um and to have to go down there and, and physically close the gym i just emotionally couldn't do it um so yeah i first week i really really struggled and you know i went from you know going really really well in business um you know financially going well and then within 24 hours everything just stopped and you know i've got uh, i've got two young kids i've got a family and i thought how the hell am i going to provide for them um how am i going to get through you know they told us six weeks would be the first lockdown it turned into close to six months so it was um it was really really tough and then you know obviously getting through that first one started to adapt to things and and obviously the business of the gyms uh completely changed to, to online and that was a big wake-up call um and we had the shaka project going at the time and i honestly think that if i didn't have the shaka project um, I did have work to do with the Shaka, then I'm not too sure where I'd be right now because the um, the effects were were pretty um, pretty damning and they were pretty sort of uh, uh, you know apparent in my personal life as well. But you know, after, over the last eighteen months, I've probably um, learnt to sort of welcome some of these changes that have come through because they've given me a bit of a kick up the ass as well. Um, especially with the gyms, you know, you never know what to expect. No one's bulletproof. That's the biggest thing that I think I've learnt from. From all of this that you can be on the on the top of the mountain when it comes to your work and your business um but something like this can can come along and kick you off the top of the mountain and and pretty much put you in the um in the you know the bottom of the bottom of the barrel and there's only one way to go up so it's um it's been pretty tough but i'm, I'm glad we're at the at the other end for sure you spoke about keeping you busy with the shark project did that sort of give you a lot of drive in terms of the conditions that you were in like it was going to affect people's mental health. So you had to work, you know, not only harder, but twofold in terms of what you could do with the community. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the week after I spent that week in bed, I, um, I sat down and thought, you know, this is affecting me massively. Um, so it's going to be affecting the rest of the country. And I knew that we had some sort of responsibility to step up our game. Um, I've always been pretty, uh, you know, focused on making sure that I'm not, putting my whole life in the shaka that affects my my mental health um so that's when I, I sat down and i got a few few of my mates on board and said you know if you boys want to help out um you can jump on board with me and um i think we can you know really really sort of 
make the most of this lockdown and, and try and get to as many people as we can over the next however long it's going to last. So, yeah, we did feel there was a massive responsibility for us to step up our content, step up um, how we can help people and all of our resources for sure. So talk to us, what is the Shaka Project? Shaka Project is a uh, it's an apparel brand. Um, that's probably where it starts. And basically, we uh, the, the reason that we sell T-shirts, hoodies, uh, beanies, all that sort of stuff, we use it as a conversation starter. So uh, we, we want to ignite that conversation around mental health. And first of all, it started off uh, in, uh, in 2019 and with my gyms, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in the past with the gyms that raised money for, for mental health awareness. Yeah, we raised a lot of money for Beyond Blue and, and different charities and organisations. Uh, but I always thought there was something that we could do a little bit more of and, and you know, leave a bit of a legacy um, and have that personal effect as well. So obviously when you raise a lot of money and you send the money off, uh, you, know, you get a really nice email back saying thanks for your donation. You might get a few pens in the mail and a balloon and and stuff like that. And I just sort of thought that this was, it, to be honest, it sucked. Like I'm like, I've got clients that are giving their hard-earned money yeah. and we're getting a couple of pens and a nice email. Um, I want to do something that people can actually touch people's lives. So I thought, why don't we do something that everybody can see every day? And that's T-shirts. And that was the first thing I thought of, just T-shirts. I wasn't going to do everything else. Um and I thought that could be the best way to get that conversation started and get people talking about it and start a bit of a community. So I've got about 20 T-shirts made up and a few singlets, um, and they were just for my mates and, and close friends and family members. Um, and we launched it, uh, I think it was January 20, 29th, I think it was, in 2019, and it sort of just blew up. We put a post up on my personal Facebook, and I think within 24 hours we had about, Ten and a half thousand shares, and we had orders from all around Australia, and it was just absolutely mental. We sold out all, all of our stock within about four hours. So once that happened, I had no idea it was going to have that effect. I thought, right, I've got a real opportunity here to not only you know um, affect people that I know in my community, um, but we've got people that we can really, really touch from all around Australia. So that's where we sort of stepped it up, um, and we just you know took the most of our opportunity and thought we can really, really get to a lot of people here and, and start that conversation um, and get people really talking about mental health. And, you know, three years on, um, you know, we, we believe that the conversation's definitely started, but it's just up to organisations like ours, like yours, um, like all the other great ones on, on social media, just continue that conversation and continue men talking about it. I think, and something we, between the three of us, kind of speak about frequently is, there is a lot of awareness around mental health now, which is amazing. I mean, you got yeah, you okay's and everything like that. And you know, 80% of people know what are you okay day is in Australia, which is awesome. Still feel like there's a bit of a lack of education though. So it's one thing to know it. Like it's one thing to know, okay, their mental health exists, but there's a different thing to know what to do if you're experiencing it or if a maid is experiencing it. So can you just first a bit of a double barrel question? Talk to us about your experience with mental health and, and mental illness and then some advice on how you got out of that or how you deal with it now yeah absolutely so my sort of um mental health uh journey started when i was about 15 and i was in in school um i was an absolute shit of a kid uh i wasn't just a just a dickhead to be honest i um hated school i went to school for for my mates um and 
at about 15, I started to get into drugs and alcohol and um, it sort of started off just as a bit of a hobby and something I used to do just to you know, be in that cool group at school. Um, and then it got to the point where I, uh, I sort of built up an addiction to drugs and I was doing drugs at school and, um, you know, I was getting in trouble with the law, uh, you know, getting arrested, all that sort of stuff as well. So um, I was going down a really, really bad path and I, uh, I, I sort of experienced a few things um, growing up that I was, my, my parents are absolutely incredible. They brought me up to be a good kid and it didn't just didn't happen um but they were they were really really supportive and throughout high school when I started to get into into all these things I um I sort of had this feeling that I had a little bit more in me but I couldn't work out how to get to that point where I you know I stopped doing stupid shit I stopped doing drugs I stopped drinking every day at school um I stopped getting in trouble with law I just didn't know how to do that so it was a um it was a moment where I uh, when I was about 16 and I, uh, I just got into a car, which was actually a stolen car. Um, and I was driving through the, uh, the CBD of Ballarat. I wasn't actually driving. I was in passenger seat. Um, I was driving through the CBD of Ballarat and there was a car crash just on a, um, sort of a T intersection. And me and my best mate at the time, we were blind drunk. Um, we just left a house party and, uh, we eventually got home and we, when we were sort of going past this car crash, I, we made a joke. We, we had a you know, laughed about it, thought, you know, what a shit driver, um, you know, had a bit of a, you know, talked a bit of shit about it, all that sort of stuff. When we got home, <clears throat> jumped on social media and um, it was then when I realized that the person in the car crash was a close friend of mine um, and she was killed instantly in the car crash. And the, the next day when I woke up, the realization that you know this girl that was killed, she had just turned eighteen. She had not done anything in her life wrong. Um, she was like an A plus student. She was a great person. Um, she'd never touched drugs. She'd never stolen everything. She's never been in trouble with the law, and her life gets taken away for absolutely no reason. But this pisshead that's doing drugs, that's stealing shit, that's getting in trouble, that's pretty much pissing his life up against the wall, still gets to wake up this morning. Um, and that was a massive wake up call for me to really get my shit together and, um, and realize that, you know, I, uh, I've got this opportunity of, of life every single day that my friend now doesn't have. Um, so from there, I, I started to, you know, weed myself off, off the drugs a little bit and, and try and find solutions for my, uh, for my addictions, um, I was still in school. I promised mum when I went to, when I went to high school that I'd finish high school. Um, so I did, uh, school all the way through to year 12, but when I got to about a year 11 or 12, I, I found a fitness course or a personal training course. Um, I completed that, became a personal trainer, absolutely loved fitness. Um, and eventually started my own personal training business back in 2010. And I thought I was on top of the world. I thought it was a, a great move for me. Um, unfortunately the drugs didn't stop. Um, I didn't get to the point where I, uh, I, sort of beaten that addiction and I still love to go out every single weekend and, um, you know, write myself off, whether it be on just alcohol or, uh, or drugs as well. And it got to the point where um, it was my 22nd birthday and I was on pretty much everything you can imagine. And uh, I got arrested that night and um, it took about six police officers to, to calm down this drug infected idiot on the middle of Ballarat street. And, um, if you, 
I don't know if you've ever been to Ballarat, but it's a regional town. It's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, and for someone that had just started a personal training business to be arrested in the middle of Ballarat wasn't a good look. And, um, you know, I just start, got to the point with my PT business that I was getting a fair bit of success and, and people started to know me. Um, and after this event, my entire business just crumbled. Um, everybody knew what happened. Everybody knew that I was on drugs. Uh, one of the police officers that arrested me was actually one of my clients. So I, uh, I definitely lost her as a client. So it was, um, it was probably a downward spiral from there. You know, I was, um, I lost pretty much majority of my business that I built up over the last two years and I was dead broke living at, living at home with mum. Um, still had this addiction flying over my head and, uh, and I had to deal with, with being arrested as well. So it sort of set me into a bit of a spiral. Um, mental health was obviously always a, always a thing in my life from, from when I sort of hit 15, 16. And it got to the point where, uh, you know, I would, I would just get in the car and drive. I'd, I'd get in the car and drive, you know, three or four hours a day um, and just sort of think to myself and, and contemplate suicide and contemplate where my life was and, and didn't really know where to go majority of the time. And there was a day where I went out to a, um, a bushland, which is just out, out of Ballarat here, and um, I parked my car I'd you know, was was sitting there crying for about three or four hours, not knowing what to do with my life. And I parked about sixty meters in front of a um, a big tree, a big willow tree. And uh, I was sitting there, and I just sort of made this decision that I can see this tree. This is the only option. This is this is what I need to do. Um, you know, I had nothing. I had nobody in my life anymore. I'd, I'd sort of um, kicked everyone else out of my life, and that's something that. Uh, you know, mental health and addiction can do to people. Um, so I put my foot on the pedal, closed my eyes and, and drove as fast as I could directly towards this big tree. And um, in that moment, when I, as soon as I did it, I found this really, really sense of calm come over me. Um, it's a really weird feeling to explain, but it was something that um, I've never, ever experienced since that day. But it was almost a sense of, thank fuck this is happening. And like, I was just overwhelmed with emotion and um as i felt the car speed up get closer i closed my eyes and then the fear kicked in and all these different emotions and all of a sudden i felt this massive slam at the front of the car and uh first thing i thought was i've hit the tree this is it there was no way i would have survived this this um you know this crash into the tree you know it was a massive tree i would have hit it direct and um, I opened my eyes and there was no damage to the car. You know, there was, there was no tree in front of me. And um, what had happened was about five metres before the tree, there was a slight ditch, um, which my left wheel hit the ditch and it pretty much flung me in the other direction out of the way of this tree um, and into this big shrubbery bush. And that's what the big bang was, was, was my tyre hitting this ditch. And uh, the first thing I did was which sounds ridiculous, but get out and make sure that my car was okay. Um, it sounds pretty stupid because I was about to wreck my car and the first thing I was concerned about was my car. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, look, that was that was a big moment for me. I, I you know, sat there for the next hour and a half and, and thought about what had just happened and, you know, however it happened, my car just moved out of the way of this massive tree and saved my life. And um, 
from that moment, I, I knew that I needed to seek help. Um, and, you know, over the next sort of six to eight weeks, so I was in and out of hospital um, with, with mental health related, uh, you know, concerns. And I definitely wasn't, you know, by any means uh, woken up by the, by the, um, the incident that happened, but it was enough to give me the push to go and see someone. And, and that's exactly what I did. So I went and saw a lot of specialists over the last six or 12 months. And um, and they gave me a lot of tools that I could I could use, and obviously on medication and stuff like that as well. So that was a big moment for me to to find that reason and to find the reason why I survived that, why I got through that. Um, and I believe that now that I'm doing the Shaka project is the exact reason that I um that my tie hit that ditch at the moment. So it's um that was probably the pinnacle moment that that really changed me and really put me through to another um another sort of avenue in life to, to get off the drugs to start making the most of every single day. And, um, you know, now that I'm 28 years old, I've got two beautiful kids. I've got an amazing, um, amazing family and friends and obviously the Shaka project. I'm very grateful that that, that happened for sure. Wouldn't take it back. Wow. Talking about everything happened for a reason. That is just, like you said, for you to hit that ditch, the chances of that happening to then convert, your experience to help others is just firstly congratulations man like, that's just fucking inspiring to tell you the truth like it really is 100%. if i can okay, go mate, appreciate it go back to those school days where you're saying you were on drugs you were drinking doing all the dumb shit you did would you say you were doing that to mask your experiences with mental health or would you say doing that brought on your experiences with mental health uh, probably both. So the the drugs were definitely um, to mask what I was going through. Um, the best the best thing that happened to me in high school, well, it was actually it wasn't even high school; it was in primary school. Um, was that my father is a manic depressive. He's he's suffered depression his entire life, and probably the best thing that ever happened to me was at the age of twelve. Um, my dad sat myself and my brother down and said that. Uh, dad's not well. First thing I, I thought when he said dad's not well is he's got cancer, he's going to die. You know, that's the only thing I knew of when I was 12 years old. Didn't know about mental health, didn't know about anything else. Um, and he said, dad's not well. Um, it's something called depression. Sometimes I'll be really happy. Sometimes I'll be, I'll be really sad. It's not your fault. It's not your brother's fault. It's not your mum's fault. Um, it's just what I'm going through right now. I'm on medication. And he had this really open conversation with us. And... What that did was when I got to the age of 15 and 16 and started feeling these emotions myself, automatically I knew exactly what it was. Um, and that I still tell my dad to this day that that was the best gift that he's ever, ever given me because if I didn't understand that, and you know, I know when a lot of people start going through mental health and they have no idea what's going on, they think I'm, I must be crazy. I must just be losing my mind. Um, but because I had this idea in my head that dad instilled um, when I was 12, as soon as it happened, I automatically knew this is what dad went through. This is mental health. This is depression. Um, and obviously, you know, it was still petrifying. It was still scary, but I had some sort of understanding about what it, what it was. So I think when I started experiencing it and when I started to do these drugs to mask it up, and obviously it made it worse. You know, I, I was um, pretty ignorant to the fact that drugs would make it 10 times worse and alcohol and, um, you know, all the schoolyard antics and stuff like that I used to get up to. Um, but I did do it as a way to 
act like I was a more of a superior bloke as well. Um, you know, I thought that if I got into trouble that I did drugs and, and drank at school, that everyone would see me as this big tough guy that didn't actually have depression. Um, and this big tough bloke that you don't mess with and, and, you know, I used to get in fights all the time. Um, just all that, all that really masculinity shit that I thought was the best way to cope with everything. So I think it was a bit of both, mate, for sure. What advice would you give to someone who is doing the same thing you were doing? Um, this is what we do. You know, we do presentations at schools um, around here and a lot of kids these days my age are doing drugs at school. And it's something that if, if we go into a school and say, stop doing drugs, it's not going to work. You know, it's, it's simply not going to happen. And that's, you know, a lot of people came into my school when I was doing drugs and said, stop doing drugs. And I used to laugh and say, well, I'm on drugs right now. So you can't, you can't stop that shit. But what I would have liked back then is uh, some guidance of where to go when I get in trouble and, um, and some, some material of what I can do um, and how I can do this in a way that isn't going to hurt myself or hurt anybody else around me. So for anyone that's going through, um, you know, especially younger kids between the ages of 15 and 18, if you are going through that stages, you know, it's, there's, there's so many factors when it comes to drugs and, and alcohol that it comes down to what you're doing with your life and what path you want to be on. A lot of the stuff that I did, I did it because I thought that was the path I wanted to be on because all my mates were on the same path. Um, and I think in nowadays, you know, blokes our age between 20 and 35, drugs are still a massive thing. You know, you go out and, um, and you know, you see your mate doing this and doing that and, and drugs are still in the scene. Uh, but I think it's super important for blokes to look after their mates, not only their mental health, it's something that we talk about a lot here. You know, um, the, the whole culture behind doing drugs on the weekend or, you know, getting a bag and all that sort of stuff as well. It's, it's something that's moved into social media. Now you go on all these social media pages and all they talk about is getting a bag and, and this and that, and it's some sort of normality that's hit. Um, but it's us as mates that are responsible to look after your mates, you know. So if if you're dabbling all that sort of stuff, dabble, you know, do what do what what makes you happy, do what what you think is right for yourself. But um, if you can see a mate that's really getting in trouble with it, and the mate that's going down the path that might hurt them or someone else or their mental health or somebody else's mental health, um, then it's our job as mates to step up and say, mate, you need to stop doing this or um, you know, you need to cut down. You can't keep doing this every single night or every single weekend. Um, and stand up to your mate. You know, stand up to your mate and said, "Stop doing drugs." You know, it's 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 something that's affecting you now. It's affecting me. It's affecting our friendship. Um, don't be the bloke that says, "Oh, you've had a rough week, so let's go get blind drunk." Be the bloke that says, "You've had a rough week, so let's sit down, just me and you, and have a beer together, or watch the footy." Um, there's a massive misconception of you know if you if you're going through some shit times. You don't go and do drugs. You don't go and get absolutely blind and and go on a bender with the boys. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. And uh, we need to sort of start recognise that as mates, that we need to encourage that sit down, quiet, have a chat over that. Let's go get a bag and let's go get absolutely plastered over the weekend. It's, um, it's something we all need to change for sure. We spoke about it before um, we came on and, you've obviously got a following not only in Australia but in a lot of countries what is the stigma what are the messages coming from those countries in regards to mental health especially with men 
Yeah, it's sort of the same um, worldwide, mate. It's it's a whole stigma of um, you know blokes being blokes and blokes being tough um, and manning up and and not feeling their feelings. It's it's a worldwide stigma, um, but also you know it's it's being able to not only feel your feelings and feel when you're upset and feel when you're going through some stuff, but just being a little bit more grounded when it comes to your feelings as well and and looking after each other and being a good person. I think that's a massive a massive thing as well. You know, you can you can be open about your mental health and, and encourage mental health awareness. Um, but if you're a shit bloke, you're not going to help anything. You know, you're not going to help yourself. You're not going to help your mates. Uh, one thing that really frustrates me sometimes is, you know, people share Facebook statuses and posts and, and stuff like that about, um, you know, about, you know, I believe in mental health awareness or share this fucking flower and show you you care about mental health. I just think that's that's really, really false emotion. You know, you're sharing something, you're not doing any action, you're not actually giving back to to um to the message that you're trying to portray. Um and you know, if you can put in the action that you can call your mate and text your mate and say, Hey mate, are you doing okay? Or um, do you want to go and have a beer together and, and have a chat about what's going on in your life? Um, I think that's a massive stigma around around mental health as well and around blokes all around the world that you can be uh, empathetic about mental health, but you can also be a good person. And that means being kind to everyone, um, being open to, to hear people's stories, um, allowing people to tell their own stories and allowing people to open up as well. So there's yeah, a lot I of think it's, I think it's so easy online as well to kind of not, not, not fake it, but so easy just to hit a share button, you know what I mean? And say, you know, I support mental health, but to actually to, to go up and, you know, do something like to take action it's a whole different thing like yeah, I, I, I get the shits about it when i say you know say people sharing stuff online and then when push comes to shove you know they they don't really care yeah no you're absolutely right and you know the biggest thing with social media is that you can you can reach people from all over the world with social media which is a massive positive but obviously it has a massive negative um uh about it as well but you know, again, you see someone share something about caring about um, caring about mental health, and then the next five minutes, you see them roasting their least favorite footy player on a on a Facebook yeah, yeah. You know, post or group or or something like that, saying, "Oh, shit game! You're you're a shit player. You shouldn't be playing." You know, you don't, you can't you can't share something about mental health. I play both sides of the coin yeah. online. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. It's about having that commitment to giving a shit about what you want to want to give a shit about. You know, it's it's caring for others and and think, just taking a step back and thinking about how these things might affect everybody else. Um, and we're really big on that with with um, all the content that we provide on Shaka Project. You know, when we first started, it was just men's mental health. That's all we wanted to focus on. And then as we sort of progressed, we've been enlightened with all these different things that have gone on. Um, you know, even the LGBTQ community that when we first started, we, we didn't really have much um, information on, but, you know, we've had, we've had people come to us that, um, that are blokes and, you know, they're, they're 25 and struggling with mental health because they don't know how to come out as gay to all their mates. You know, we, we didn't delve into that stuff when we first started, but we know how big that is right now. And, you know, I've, I've said to the, everyone that works here, you know, if we don't care about all that sort of stuff. We don't care about transgender, about LGBTQI, 
about, um, you know, First Islanders. We don't care about all that sort of stuff. Let's just close the Shaka project because there's no point doing it. Um, you know, we've got to have that respect for every single male out there that is going through any sort of mental health, that whether it be, um, you know, drug, alcohol-related, um, your, your culture-related, whatever it might be, we've got to have that empathy and we've got to have that care. Um, otherwise, there's just no point doing it. Yeah, 100%. You started the Shaka project in January 2019. And it's just kind of grown out of sight. Like you've said, I mean, your followings, you've got over 30,000 on Instagram, I think. Yep. I mean, and then within under two years, you've got a office space in Ballarat, the Shaka HQ. Talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. So Shaka HQ, we opened that in uh, in January this year. So that's where I am at the moment. This is our little podcast studio. Um, and basically, I was running the entire project out of the laundry of my house and um, and then turned into the kids' room, and the kids didn't have a room anymore. So, and they were getting pretty pissed off with me. So, um, I was I was going to move it to to one of the gyms, and then I thought, no, I'm just going to mix the gym with Chaka, and it just wasn't going to work. So, we we're lucky enough to find a uh, an office space, pretty much smack bang in the middle of Ballarat here, um, and it's got our warehousing. So, all of our merch and stuff comes through here. Um, we've got our podcast studio here. We've got a big office for all of our um, all of our back end stuff. And uh, the, probably the best thing about this office is it's got a, uh, a hangout space. So basically, we've got a couch, Xbox, uh, we've got like a soccer table in there, books, computers, all that sort of stuff. And pretty much people can come in here. We're, as I said, we're right in the middle of the town. So most people work in the CBD. Um, if you're at work and you're having a really shit day, you can come in here, you can you know sit down, play some Xbox, you can read a book, you can have a, have a chat to us, talk shit with us. Um, or you can just come in here and just get a bit of silence. So we wanted to create a space where it, was, um, it wasn't necessarily going to a GP or going to a psychologist or anything like that. Um, it was just somewhere we could just get away from everything and, um, and just sort of escape from, from what you're going on. So it's, um, it's a really sort of special place. It's a lot of, um, a lot of people come through every single day. And you know, we had a bloke in here before that traveled all the way down for Bendigo just to um just have a chat for 15 minutes and then drove back, which is about an hour and a half away. So um it's really special just to have you know guys come through and it's sort of a um an icebreaker as well. They know exactly what they're walking into. They're walking into this office that's based around mental health. So, you know, every single bloke that's ever walked in here within five minutes are telling us their mental health story or they're telling us what's going on in their life. Um, and two years ago, if you go up to a bloke and, and start spilling in your guts about your mental health, you probably would have got a funny look. But um, now we've we've broken that ice with with the the office space. They're able to come up here and, and open up straight away, which is which is exactly what we're going for. Is the hope that you know you spoke about that guy that just drove an hour and a half? Is the hope that he then takes that into his life and, like you said, pass things down to maybe his sons or to his friends, and then the quiet places, he doesn't have to drive anymore, the quiet places in his bedroom or something or the quiet places in his living room. Is that where you're going with that, that you want to normalise just safe spaces? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, for sure. And normalise normalize that open conversation too. So, um, you know, being able to go to a mate's or even go to the gym or go to the pub with a mate and, you know, except for talking about the game on the weekend or, um, or how stressful work is, you know, say to your mate, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? Or, you know, I had this thing happen to me today that really affected me and I want to talk to you about it. Normalizing that with your friends 
um, we do a program called Break the Ice Program, which is pretty much based on that, which is breaking the ice between your group of mates um, so that, you know, if something goes astray or something, you know, you're going through some tough times, automatically you know that you can talk to this mate, this mate, this mate, because you've broken the ice with them. You can have that conversation with them. So it's um, it's something that I think every single mateship group can do. Um, my my mates here, you know, we have open conversations about our mental health pretty much every single day, um, and they're not obviously not always negative. You know, some days I wake up and text the boys and say, "Hey boys, I'm having an awesome day, feeling good. How are you guys feeling?" And you know, three or four of them might say, "Oh, pretty shitty today." Um, one or two might say, "Absolutely awesome." So it's just that conversation, just being able to actually have that um, dialect with with each other is super important to to continue this conversation around. We know the importance of your mental health aligning with your physical health at the same time. And obviously you being into PT and, and fitness and owning your gyms and stuff, <clears throat> I assume would be a big part in a kind of coping mechanism and an escape. And a, I guess a lot of people we've spoke to have struggled with addiction, have replaced that addiction with another addiction, which is healthy, such as training and such as the gym. How much does physical fitness play a part in your life? Oh, mate, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's massive. Um, I think the three things I love in life um, that sort of really get me going is is working out, um, is doing stuff here with the Shaka and my kids. So it's something that I personally um, have to do every single day. It's my sort of outlet. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a, a big workout. You know, I can go for a walk and, um, and just, you know, go for a stroll for half an hour, just something small like that. But if um, if I can get a workout in, then it does that. It does give me that you know positive mental health practice every single day, and it's massive for everybody. You know, we we see now with with the gyms closed up where you guys are, um, it's obviously affecting a lot of people. And and when we had to close last year and a few times this year as well, it it really does get people down. And that was probably the biggest argument um, that us as gym owners had for the government when they did close us and they continued to keep us closed for so long was the mental health effects of not having the gym open. Um, I think I think one of the comments from our lovely premier was he can go for a run, but it's, just, it's not the same thing with some people. You know, some people want to hit the weights. Um, some people want to go to the pool and do do laps in the pool or run on the treadmill. So it's, um, it's something that really does affect a lot of people's mental health is not being able to go to the gym, get a workout in, and that social interaction as well. You know, you go into the gym with a mate, um, and having that conversation again and talking to your mate while you're doing weights, um, there's there's no better outlet. You know, a lot of other people have different sort of ask, different sort of things they like to do for their outlet. Um, but uh, I guarantee that majority of Australians, it's at the top of their list that gym is a massive outlet for their mental health. I think I think everyone needs an outlet as well. I think people that suffer the most are the people that are just sitting in their rooms. You know what I mean? I think the, the best way to do it is like what you said. I mean, whether it's going to the gym, going for a surf, I mean, it's simple as even just jumping on the PlayStation, you know what I mean? Or just, you know, going over to a mate's house. I think everyone needs that space where they feel comfortable in and they feel like that they can be themselves without being questioned by anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, everybody's got their, their thing. You know, I love gym. I've, I've got a bloke that comes here that, um, he loves playing Xbox. You know, he, he'll play Xbox for two or three hours a night and that's his outlet. You know, he turns yeah. his phone off, plays Xbox and just sort of um, forgets about the word for a little bit. Um, you know, you've got people that read books, you've got people that go for a walk, that, um, you know, that cook, that 
all that sort of stuff. There's just such a massive variety of different things that um, that people can do as their outlet to get away from of the hustle and bustle and, and everything they're doing. But um, it's it's super important as well to to make sure that you're doing something that you love to do as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. we see a lot of people they'll they'll go out on the weekends with their mates because that's what their mates' outlet is. But mm. really, they want to be staying at home watching Netflix eating ice cream all weekend because that might be their thing. Um, But because their mates are going out and getting on the beers, they want to go out because that's what they're doing. But it's super important to make sure that you're doing what you love and what what you makes you happy as well. 100%. Sean, we we had a great chat with Lane Beachley earlier and she mentioned tall poppy syndrome, which is bad, especially in Australia when people are rising up and doing great things. There's always people that are tearing down and poke fun at them for anything. Um, With your initiatives and with that pathway that you went with your mental health, did you ever fear that? And what would you say to people that do fear that? Um, I don't think so. I think if you, I've always been really authentic with um, with everything I've done, and I think that's a that's the biggest thing that everybody needs to practice with their own, whether it be their career, um, work wise, relationship wise, whatever it might be. You have to be authentically you, and I think that's the reason why. Uh, I've continued on doing the Shaka project. You know, obviously, I've, I've loved doing the Shaka project because it's grown to a to a point where um, we've been able to affect so many people. But I've also loved doing it because it's it's exactly what I want to do, and it's exactly what I love doing. It's authentically what I want to do. So I think if you if you are staying true to what you are and who you are um, and the message you're trying to portray, um, then I think it's uh, I think it makes a mass- massive difference and you don't get to that point where you sort of forget that message. Um, I can under, definitely understand, you know, sports people. So if you, if you get a 19 year old kid that gets paid 2 million bucks a year to play basketball or footy, um, obviously straight away they're, they're going to get influenced by that, by that sort of um, the money and the fame and, and all that sort of stuff too. But it'd be a lot harder to, to stay authentic, but I believe if you do stay true to yourself and who you are, um, then you can get to a point where, you know, you can be the most well looked after person in the world and, and have all the money in the world. But if, if, if you're, you know, just being yourself, you're going to get through a lot of people. You're always going to have critics, obviously. Um, you're always going to have people that think you you got to that point. You've got that tall, sort of tall poppy syndrome. But um, yeah, if, if you know what you're doing is what you want to do, then I think you can, uh, you can get through it for sure. Sean, we put a Instagram post out saying we were talking to you and uh, we got a few questions. We've narrowed it down to one and we've kind of uh, covered it, but the phrase behind the Shaka project, all good, bro. Hashtag all good, bro. Talk to us about that. Yeah, this is probably the coolest story out of the whole thing. So um, the actual Shaka, I've got a seven-year-old stepson and a few years ago before obviously the Shaka project started, I uh, I took him to the playground and um, I was sitting down about, probably about 30 or 40 meters away from the playground. And he came down the slide and absolutely ate shit and did like a, a bit of a backflip um, and hit the dirt pretty hard. And I sort of, uh, I contemplating if, whether I need to get up and go see if he was okay. And I looked over to him and he stood up and he threw up a shaka and I threw up a shaka as well. And he continued to play. And as soon as he did that, I thought that was a really good way that we communicated without necessarily using words. And that is like the exact reason that we're doing the Chaka project is opening a line of communication without using words. Um, 
And yeah, the all good bro was is, is sort of just come from that. You know, I call him bro. Um, and you know, when when we sort of did the shaka together, it was almost like a are you all good? Through the shaka up, yep, all good, continue to play. So that's pretty much the story behind the shaka logo itself. Um, and the the hashtag, the all good bro. But I just think it's such a it's led on to such a small, small sort of hand gesture that can have such a massive effect. Um, and it's got to the point now where, you know, if anybody relates anything back to me, excuse me, in my personal life, um, it's always to the Shaka, which is, which is really cool. Um, it's such an easy thing to do. You know, I've got people that text me, um, you know, probably once or twice a week, just the Shaka logo, just like a Shaka emoji. And that's pretty much just asking how I am. And it's something really, really easy. Something I can reply back with if I send the Shaka back. It's, yep, I'm doing okay. They send one back to me. I'm doing okay as well. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool story behind it. He's pretty chuffed that he started it as well. I always give him credit for <laughs> for um for starting it. Um, but yeah, that's the whole message behind it is just to start that conversation without without using words. Awesome. Well, um, we see we saw on your website yesterday the plan for your, the next twelve months, and it was to expand your reach in Australia. What does that look like? Yeah. So. Uh, just doing a lot more programs and and um, reaching a lot more people. I, I mentioned before that we did a New South Wales tour in April. So we attended about seven different regional towns throughout New South Wales. And uh, we were very lucky that we didn't run into any COVID days or anything like that too. So we were able to get up there and get back without any any lockdowns. So that's what we want to continue on over the next 12 months is, uh, is get around Australia, um, do some events, all around the country, meet a lot of people. The best thing about our tour in New South Wales is that we met blokes that we'd obviously never met before. Um, and within five minutes of meeting them, again, as, as it is the same with our office here, they were talking about their mental health. And that's exactly what we want to start is for blokes to be able to meet each other within five minutes, start talking about it. Um, and that was really special to us. So we want to continue to do that, continue to go around the country, um, and and educate people on the on the signs of mental health, how, you know, sort of show blokes how they can be better blokes when it comes to looking after themselves and, and looking after their mates. Show blokes that they don't have to be this you know this tough man that gets through everything, and um, that they can look after their feelings and look after their emotions, and they don't have to you know get on with it. So I think it's something that um, you know if we can help. 10 or 15 blokes in a room and they can go and help their 10 or 15 mates outside of that, uh, we can have some really big effects throughout the country. So just trying to reach as many people as we can through the message. And if people want to find you on socials, what's your handle? Yeah, so on Instagram mainly, which is the Shaka Project, um, most of our content is is through there. And then we've got the shakaproject.com, which is our website with all of our merchandise. Cool. Sean, we just want to say a massive thanks for joining us. I mean, like I said, midway through that podcast, you left me and I'm, I can speak on behalf of the voice speechless and that story is nothing short of inspiring and to share it and be so open about it, especially considering the things we spoke about, how it can be so hard at times and to make yourself so vulnerable to help others. Uh, we want to thank you and thank you for the time for coming on and all the best. And if there's anything we can do in the future to help out, um, we look forward to it and hopefully combining after, after COVID, we'll get down there for a f- bit of Xbox and <laughs> whatever in the HQ. Absolutely. We'll, we'll come up there because it's absolutely freezing down here. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, any excuse to go up north, we'll come up north. But All no, right. that sounds great, guys. Thanks so much for having me.
Thanks, Thanks Matt. Thanks, Thanks mate. So much. Cheers. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together.